0: people glorify the struggle because it's, it's engaging. It's different. And you know why it's different? You know why it's, why, why it's engaging? Because of survivor's bias. We are able to look at someone like me. I struggle with this a lot in my own life. I don't struggle with it, looking at how I should portray and present myself. and And I've very much come to the conclusion, and and I, I don't shy away from saying this, that a lot of my outcomes in life are because of luck. It's not all luck. I work hard for a lot of things, but there is a lot of luck. And where I am going with this is this, right? So you look at somebody like me or anybody who like makes it and has a story, and you look at the hardship that they've gone through, and and they're the survivors. And we focus on the survivors, and we go, oh, you know, because I don't have that kind of hardship or background like you are going. Uh, we go, oh, you know, I feel like an imposter. But here's the reality they're the survivors. Most people don't make it.
1: How do young men like us optimize our lives in a way that lets us achieve success and meaning? Come with me as I interview top performers and delve into key areas of life habits, finance, psychology, health, relationships, work, creativity, and business. I boil the ocean of men's advice into usable wisdom in this podcast to give you the answers. My name is Blake Bottrell, and this is The Distilled Podcast. My guest today is a project of the projects. The kind where your mom and your babysitter get mad at each other because the water gun you sprayed on the couch was actually a syringe full of heroin. Described as the warrior poet he's amassed over 200,000 people who want to listen to his stoic street smarts. If you think your life has seasons, he has the South Park of lives. It could have been canceled after season one, has epic standalone episodes, and tells the truth in a funny way that most people don't want to hear. Ed Lattimore, welcome to the show.
0: Hey, man, how are you? (laughs) I'm doing great. It's good to hear. I'm in a a pretty good mood myself. I'm (laughs) drinking tea and and enjoying another another day of uh another day of of early fatherhood. Uh, not <laughs> not early early because like early early is is different. Dad shit is torture. That's like that's like <laughs> a sleep torture. Nobody dices to, you know. No one wants to tell the truth about that part. But no, nah, we just I, I was just thinking about because we just got back from the park and. She's making dinner, and then by the time I'm off the call, you know he'll he'll be asleep and and it'll be another another day in the books, like like you really <laughs> start to count every day, man, more so than any other sure. thing I've ever done. What's the best dad wisdom you've picked up so far first year from our first hand experience, you gotta <laughs> dads I think sometimes have a tendency. To want to like make the kid really tough all uh, because they just think like that immediately. And no, nah, you gotta you gotta let them, you know, do their own thing and remember they're still babies. You can save that tougher up shit for later. But uh the other thing too is that is that having a kid really smooths or exposes weaknesses in your system. Like for a system to get stronger, it's gotta be stress tested. And and it survives the stress. It doesn't break it down, but it needs a stress test to figure out where the problems are. And I'll tell you, a, a kid is the ultimate stress test for your life, your relationship, everything, because it, you, you're exhausted. You got to figure out how to care for this new person. You got your stress and a new thing. You know, it's not like getting a pet or like. If it really pisses you off, you can just take it out back and lock it up. I mean, I'm sure some people do that, but you can't. You're not supposed to. So, yeah, that that would be some dad wisdom. Is that you just you get your life stress tested, and if you do things correctly, uh, what it should reveal is the other or the areas in your life that you haven't been forced to deal with. And if you deal with them, you just become better and fuller. Like I understand now. You used to like. Annoy me when gods would say, oh, you know, like, you know, fatherhood is one of those things you got to do to become a more complete God. And I'm not, I, and I've never been anti-kid. I just just thought that was some presumptuous shit to say. Like, there's, there are many other things in life and what is so special about this one thing. Or uh, What I'll say is that, you know, I still think everyone should, you know, do whatever feels most natural to them, but I cannot think of any other event that a person can go through that will force them to deal with many of their problems and, and level up. Like there, there, there's just nothing like it. But, but I say the same thing about, about boxing, how like there's, there was, there's nothing like boxing to, expose the weaknesses in your character and you know everyone knows about the physical stuff but there's nothing like it to expose the weaknesses in your character that have been holding you back from from accomplishing something like the fight game because either you'll go, go oh maybe I should stop drinking so much and stick to what I'm doing, or you'll you know get hurt. Well, it's like with a kid, except you know now you're dealing with someone else's life, and and the stakes are higher. And, but it's cool. That's that's like my dad wisdom there, man. Just just let the let the whole thing purify you, and make you a better person, and and, and don't fight it. I used to hate cleaning stuff up. Right now, y'all almost was late to the call. Check it out. My desk. This is like where we're shooting, the, where we're doing the podcast. That this is my area. Like, I mean, he can come in here whenever he really wants to, unless the door is closed because I'm on a car or something. But I went to sit down and get set up, and I can't find my wireless mouse. I and and, and he can reach. it. she was just saying, you know, he can reach everything now. So I don't know where my wireless mouse is. I know it's somewhere, and I know I didn't like. I was looking on the floor. Everything. It's not. It's not even in here. I'm sure he took it somewhere. And where I was going with that is like. One of the things that I've consistently gotten better at because I was—I mean, I've never been like a messy guy, but keeping things in order—I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm more of a—you know—I know where it is and I'll get it when I need it, and then I'll clean up to find it. Nah, you can't do that shit with kids, man. You'll—you'll you'll, you'll lose a mouse. That's what happened. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I had a guy named John Popola on the show a couple of weeks ago. If you're not familiar with him, I think you should be. He's a great dude. He runs a podcast called Dad Saves America, and he's doing good stuff. But he was telling me that basically him having a kid turned all of his pursuits into fun games that he wasn't afraid to lose. And then because he's not afraid to lose, it makes
0: him play harder. So yeah. That's, that's, that's actually that's really interesting. I like that. That's it's very cool. I I probably would not have phrased it that way, but that's just me. But I understand the point, and it resonates very strongly with the way I've come to approach work lately. Certainly over the last year,
1: for sure. All right, I'm gonna jump into uh, some quotes or tweets from you here, and we'll sort of get the lesson or story behind it I think I heard you on a podcast talking a couple weeks ago or when I was doing some research of the platitudes only work if you've lived them so you've certainly lived a handful of platitudes so we'll we'll get in here and get your your story behind (laughs) a handful of these yeah so the first one is uh you can't save everyone you can't save most people all you can do is save yourself and offer your help to those who will take it
0: you know it's funny, man. Somebody gave me some shit about that on LinkedIn today. I people are incredible. that that be a lesson, man. I you know LinkedIn is definitely like fuckery less, but it is still wild. But as far as the um as far as what the what the quote is about, one thing that has become painfully aware to me is I've become older and got to watch people around me. Particularly, people I've grown up with. Not like, you know, because I got friends, but I didn't really, I grew up with my friends because they've been my friends for longer than they haven't. But I'm talking about from birth, all of my friends that I met, I haven't, I don't have any friends from before I was 14. But I watch my family members. You can help, you, you can give them all the advice and tell them what they need to do. But if, if they're not willing to do it, there's nothing you can do. And you and you can't and you can't make them do it. Like they're they're adults and they're gonna they're gonna do what they think is right and they think is good. And they they, they decide to do it that way. And, and it's sad because, you know, I know some people that are like, oh, you know, you can just help them, just give them help. And you can't do that. Because it's wasted. And not only is it wasted, it robs them of the it delays the it delays the eventual stress test. If if there was going to be one, because that stress test gets delayed, they never develop, they never get strong, and they never learn what they need to know to succeed. And you and again, you can't force it to happen. Like so, so the best thing what I figured out is, unfortunately, I learned that relatively early. It's just that I got to see the effects of it as time passed on. But what what ends up happening, or what ended up happening for me guys I realized like eventually, you know, I just, if I just work on myself and build the environment and that I want to build, then the people who are right for it are going to navigate into it. And the people who aren't, they're going to stay away. And, and that that's worked out great. You know, and I think if everyone did this intentionally, not like, oh man, I'm just the way I am and you, you can't rock with me, but like intentionally tried to make themselves better and, and build an environment where there's a standard of behavior and, and conduct, oh, we'd probably do a lot better in in the world. So that, that, that's where that, where that goes for me because we'd be influencing everyone else around us and and just reinforcing the standards that we set for ourselves to the people we bring around us.
1: One thing I think about a lot is that I'm never going to have the level of adversity that some other people have in their lives And as a result of that, I have almost this sort of imposter syndrome around doing this sort of thing and doing what I can to help people. And I view my life as a lot of basically like second order lessons instead of first order lessons of having to experience the hardship myself. And it's weird to phrase it like that. But I don't it's something that I think about a lot and don't have the context to
0: Look, man, let me, let me tell you something. People glorify the struggle because it's, it's, it's engaging. It, it, it's, it's different. And you know why it's different? You know why it's, why, why it's engaging? Because of survivor's bias. We are able to look at someone like me. I struggle with this a lot in my own life. I don't struggle with it, but I struggle with it looking at how I should portray and present myself. And, and I've very much come to the conclusion and, and I I don't shy away from saying this, that a lot of my outcomes in life are because of luck. It's not all luck. I work hard for a lot of things, but there's a lot of luck. And where I'm going with this is this, right? So, so you look at somebody like me or anybody who like makes it has a story and you look at the hardship that they've gone through and, and they're the survivors and we focus on the survivors and we go oh you know because i don't have that kind of hardship or background like you're going uh, we go oh you know i feel like an imposter but here's the reality they're the survivors most people don't make it you don't want that it, look the, the, i would give anything you know i won't say give anything but but it's it, it would it would mean a lot to me it would be a very interesting trade if it was ever if it was ever possible to present to me if I could go back and have a different life growing up, because when you when you do survive, right? And you don't just survive, you thrive, because there's not a lot of middle ground here. You realize how inadequate you are prepared for the world that you did not come up in. And if you want to be successful, that's the world you're going to have to live and operate in. But you don't know how to live and operate in a world of of order and success. You know how to operate... In the world of survival and stress and trauma, and those two systems ain't compatible. It's like trying to take an Android app and run it on an iOS. Some of the shit is come, Some of it comes out on iOS. But a lot of it does, and it's just gonna. It's just not gonna gonna work. You're gonna crash the system, or it's just is gonna be incompatible. So, so, to that I say, you know, learning lessons like this, or how whatever learn lessons you learn. Without having to go through the suffering, and I'm, you know, I'll be the first person to to say that you should go through some hard stuff. It's important, but but there's a there's a way to introduce that that challenge. You know, you 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 shouldn't have to fend for yourself when you're five, but at twenty five, you should probably know how to live on your own, right? (laughs) You know, there's 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 a lot of middle ground in there, but yeah, I don't don't trip about not having haven't gone through anything crazy like you you put yourself through the challenges everybody's had i think everyone has the appropriate level of stress and no more no less is the best way to put it
1: it's a good reframe it is helpful to think of it in that way for sure maybe that leads into the next one here in talking about the hardships and i'm gonna rearrange some stuff here but the heaviest weight at the gym is the front door.
0: No, that's just in your head, man. You know? Because, look, I, I have never gone to the gym and been like, I'm here. Fuck it. I've taken myself to the gym and been hungover when I was drinking and worked out. Because I knew all I had to do is get to the gym and I'd, I'd be all right. But it's getting there. That's the hard part. You want to remove as much friction as you can... Between your current environment and the one where the change will happen, whatever environment that is, where uh, the gym is, where the physical change happens, that's why people go. So you want to, if, if you can't remove that friction, then you have to understand that that once you get in there, it's like you're not just going to stand around. Like you, you'd be mad at yourself. Like if you just if you made it to the gym, you went in and you just stood there. Like I don't feel like working out. It doesn't work that way the resistance to the working out happens before you get in the gym. So if you just push through that. That's the hardest part for most people. Like, like I've never got my running gear on and, and, I, and I like running. I, I, I won't say, I yeah, I like running. But on the days when I don't want to run, I've never got my running gear on and went out on the road and been like, ah, oh, you know what? I've been moving for about, 20 feet, that's it. Like, no. I'm out here now. I'm dressed. I've taken the time away. Just got to do it. So what it is, it speaks to the activation energy. Once you get past that, it's it's, uh, no problem.
1: I think the tie-in there is one of your favorite books, The Epidemic of Absence. And I think, and again, this is something that I preach as often as I can, that almost all of the problems in the Western world are from overabundance and not scarcity that we literally built buildings where you have to walk in and pick up heavy things and put them down again and you pay for it.
0: <laughs> that, so that's a
1: good point. It's coming back to that first point of just not having to go through the struggle. I think people need to be going through more struggle right now. And even if it's self-imposed struggle, I think there needs to be something there.
0: Yeah. You know, we, we're, we're an anti-fragile species. you know we need to be you need to be bumped around, knocked around. Um, if you don't get knocked around, you you don't build up what it takes to 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 survive in this world. Like think about it from just a purely like just some pure physics. Every second, gravity is pulling on you. With, with the with a force or with an acceleration of like four point eight some seconds meters per second squared, right? That means at any given time you got to be strong enough to resist that. And over time, which is what's happening, you know, people aren't aren't working out. They they get the form. They get shorter. They get weaker. Because the stress isn't going anywhere. And that that's like one mental model to work with. The other mental model to work with is is like inflation. And there's a there's a lifestyle inflation. You you know when you're when you're 15, you can eat anything. You don't have any responsibilities. No one expects you to have done anything. If you have, that's incredible. But you're you're expected to be a kid. At 20, you know, you can still be fucking around, but no one's really going to like do anything. Your metabolism's still good. You can you can drink all night. Be up and party the next morning if you want. But then when you, you turn 25, you know, the world starts looking at you differently. It's like, okay, what are you doing? And then the reason for that, you know, is subject to inflation. All the other 25, or many of the other 25 year olds, know this is not as true as it was when I was 25. Gen Z is, is really changing the game out there and not in a positive way. But You look weird. You know, you it'd be like what's the the perfect example? If you show up to a college party when you're 25, and I say this is a dude that used to do this, so I'm not, I'm not, you know, casting stones in a glass house. letting people, yeah, it, it looks, it looks weird and immature. Dude, at 30, they're calling the cops on you, probably. But if that, you know, <laughs> like there's certain things you can't do. You know, you got to grow. You got to move with the times. You got to develop. You got to get stronger. You always have to, because life isn't taking a break. It's been trying to kill you from the moment you were born. And it will succeed. No no one's ever beat the game, right? <laughs> so what you got to do is is resist the best you can in terms of your physical, your mental, your emotional. You have to grow. You have to develop.
1: I think using inflation as a mental model there, too, there's obviously been an inflation of easiness within our lives, especially in the last 15 years or so. I can think if, <laughs> if I didn't have to, like if I don't have to walk the dog, I don't think I'd have to leave the house for like weeks at a time. I now work from home. If I have to, I can DoorDash food to my house. I can get groceries delivered. Any other worldly good I need, I can get delivered in one or two days from Amazon. So there's no reason for people to voluntarily put themselves in these positions if they don't have the mental fortitude to do it.
0: You you said something I didn't even think about. You just made this connection. You know, in the purest sense of the word, like the most basic definition, what is inflation? Inflation is when when there's more money... You know, when we talk about monetary inflation, when there's more money in the, in the system. And so the value that that money is allocated for of those items, that it has to go up to make sure we don't have a scarcity. It'd be the same as deflation so we don't end up with like a bunch of suppliers holding a bunch of shit. Right. So if you if you if you um have this hardship kind of baseline that you're supposed to have overcome by a certain point, but then all of a sudden you don't have to overcome it. You have kept the ease, too much ease, and and as a result the bar gets lower for what is considered difficult because if if everything looks easy, right? But like before, what's a, what's a good example? Okay, if I wanted to talk to a girl, this is, this is a, this is brilliant. I never thought about this. That's why these conversations are good. So so. When I was growing up, when I wanted to talk to a girl, I'd have to go talk to her, right? You'd call her or something, right? Get her a phone number. I have to make an approach, all right? It was considered incredible if you could just, what was like the big thing with the pickup guys? Cold approach, right? That's why that's, that seems incredible. You talk up, to a girl, talk to her in person because I could call and that that was the base level but walking up to one in person wow that's incredible that you ain't never met before. Fast forward where we're at now with all the dating apps and social media everybody's sliding in DMs. if you're a, you know if you have a, a teenage daughter at home and you get a call on the phone, and you speak to her father first, and he has, He says, "Oh, here you go. That's crazy. The people at school will be looking at you." And I know this from two. Tu- I tutored high schoolers till two thousand nine. I'm uh, not nine. Two thousand nineteen. And so, like, so you know, that was five years ago. But it's not. It's still Gen Z. And and if you call on the phone, period. What? That's insane. Okay. So that's the kind of thing. So, so not a bar is lower because the ease that everyone gets to take in. I, and there's another quote, or not a quote, but an idea I like to express, which is that if if the average person doesn't think your nutrition or or workout routine is extreme, you're probably not doing enough because of how because of how easy and out of shape people are. So if if they think it's normal, you're you're just not doing enough because the bar has been lower. You know that that's a. I might I was wondering what to write my newsletter on this week. And, <laughs> there you uh, go. I was just gonna recycle an old essay from years <laughs> ago, but I, I think I want to flesh that out a little more. I never because I've always had those ideas, but yeah. I never mer- um, married them like that. That when you inflate life with ease, then you lower. The bar for what is difficult, and so now all of a sudden, you know, it's it's not that looks so bad at twenty five to be living at home based on the stats I've seen. They used to be you. You was a straight loser in my day, right? And and when I say my day, like it, like like I'm some foggy. Like well, I'm I'm not even forty. <laughs> I'm just not a Z. All right, next one.
1: The difficulty of a task is irrelevant if it is essential to your success.
0: I thought I said vital, but I guess I said essential. I always change things I don't always, but sometimes but but uh yeah man that's that's just basic truth. It's one of those things that so a lot of the ideas that I have for how I approach the world that i that I write about and talk about a lot of them a lot of them were born from the environment that I grew up in and what i what I witnessed or rather did not witness in in this case and 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 one of the things that always that always pissed me off about my mom is you know there were there were things that needed to be done, and and I don't mean you know keep a roof over the head that's that's basic minimum shit like like Chris Rock has got this great joke where he, where he says like. I'll make sure your podcast stays stays uh, rated and not marked, even though <laughs> they can't tell I'm black, I'm assuming. You know, he goes, those N-words always on some credit for some shit they're supposed to do. They're like, I take care of my kids. They're like, you're supposed to take care of your kids. He's like, I ain't never been to jail. They're like, you're not supposed to go to jail, <laughs> right? It's a hilarious bit. I don't know if you've ever seen Bigger or Blacker, but, but, you know, so, so, the, so the bare minimum a lot I just celebrated where or, or I grew up. And when I got old enough to see something different, I was like, well, this is this is not enough. And we need to do more to have a, to have a better life. Like we don't have to live this way. But if it was difficult, you know, and my mom wouldn't, wouldn't do it and i saw how destructive that was because of everyone in the community. because look you know no one voluntarily moves to the projects like that's not <laughs> no, one, no one no one is like debating between like a downtown penthouse or ranch in the, in the suburbs and the projects like that's the last place you go before you got a place to go so you see a lot of negative behavior and that's one of the things i consistently saw was this avoidance of the of the, the the stuff that would improve life because it is hard to it's somebody who who did it, like I think about where my life was 10 years ago and where it is now. It is, it's not easy, it's hard. But I remember thinking to myself when I started making the changes necessary, I said, You know, I'm not going to have more options or fewer options in my life in five years. I said, I want to have more, so I did what was necessary, and and so. And, and that attitude, and you know, I my mom even was pissed off about it every now and then. But I was like, you know, it's, it is what it is. You, gotta, you, I have to have a good life, and that's what happened.
1: Is there a bit of a reframe in there as a mental model? In that there is an implied part of that sentence that you need to make sure that something is truly essential, not as it relates to building out your childhood, but if we're to reframe this in sort of use for everyday life. I'm just thinking about obviously we need to do the difficult things, but is it important to define what things we think might be essential that maybe
0: necessarily aren't? Uh, yeah. I think that yes, you within, you know, that that quote, there is an implication that you've got things sorted. Once you have things sorted, then it becomes just a matter of willpower. But but you know what we're talking about here, you gotta remember something. I think what, what what's happening in this part of the discussion, you're envisioning a personality that doesn't really have the problem. So the person I'm speaking to isn't really having the issues... Determining what's essential and not like like th- these aren't people with like four cars living in, you know, with their with their huge house, with more rooms than they need or are eating out every week. Like and, and you know, keeping up in the rat race, this like this advice ain't for them. They don't <laughs> they don't need it. This advice is for the, for the person who I'll tell you something I saw a lot. The person who will work just enough or, or not work so they can stay on welfare, because that's easier. And, or, you know, like, I watched, my, my mom basically ate herself to death. You know, there were other things. Well, they all stem from, from being damn near 340 pounds, right? And and tons of, you know, smoked her whole, I don't ever remember my mom not smoking. Like, I, I don't, I mean, like I'm sure she did at some point, but she can never go, I need to stop this because it's going to kill me early. You know, it's one thing you don't know. You know, she's born in the 60s. But once you know and you know you want to stay alive and, you know, your health is important, that's where, you know, it doesn't matter how hard. She started to say it's hard. It's hard. I'm like, yeah, it's hard. Like it's 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 addictive. What's the point? Like Like it being hard doesn't make it better for you you know, you you gotta quit. And it's the same with most, you know, same with a lot of habits and addictions. You know, people ask me a lot of times, like, you know, why my sobriety date is December 23rd? Like, I could have waited until the new year. And I'm like, nah, brother, you don't understand. I might not have made it. I had to, it was hard, you know, quitting just like that right before new year where I'm, you know, expected and, and excited about getting drunk. But I'm happy I did that because who knows, but it was hard. Doesn't change that. I needed to do it. So TLDR circling back what you're saying <laughs> is, you know, that's an important aspect of life, but I'm not speaking to that part of things when I'm talking about what's essential.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think there's in that the context in that framing, it makes sense. I was trying to extrapolate some of the words out to, uh, wider audience, but I love the message to the people that need to hear it for sure. If you have a good coach, you shouldn't be able to tell if you won or lost when you're reviewing the game tape.
0: I don't know if I said that that's did I say that you did wow that's that's fantastic yeah so so yeah i mean I resonate with the idea so anyhow the the idea when you have good teaching and this is a, a rule for like improving in general What anything, is you have to get your mind off of the outcome. The outcome can deceive you. It can make you think you're better than you really are. or It can make you think you're worse than you really are. You know, you learn this a lot in, when when you study fighting tape. Because I'd go over my fights the next day, and I, I went 13-1-1, one and, one, and I dreaded. Coming so I won. Loss is my point, point. and I dreaded coming in the day after a fight, or because we'd have to watch the tape, and I knew I was about to get chewed out for a bunch of things, little mistakes. You know, good. Good, I won. Great, but like here are all the mistakes that your opponent didn't take advantage of, and that's the idea here is, is that you should. When you're in a proper education system for any skill, your mind should you, you should forget the outcome entirely because when you when you chase outcomes, at least for skill acquisition, when you chase outcomes, you are distort reality in one of two ways, and and I'm not sure which way is more common. You either distort it. And you think you're better than you really are because you met a metric that it's arbitrarily set. A language learning is a great place to see this. You know, like, motherfucker will go through the Duolingo app and think they know the language, and then they touch it down and, like, oh, they don't really say como estás. They say como estás. And they're like, oh, I can't hear right? Or the other way around, imposter syndrome, right? You don't think you're that good because you haven't had you know, X, Y, Z outcomes, you know, and, and I'm not going to lie. I suffered that tremendously. Last year, it really, really fixed a lot, but I can't tell if it fixed it or I just reached what I was trying to achieve. But but only time will tell. But what I, what I do know is that you can get a lot better at something when you enjoy doing it. And that sounds obvious, but it's amazing how many people are doing something and they're performing subpar despite any success or external success they might appear to have because they hate it. And they're going to get smoked by somebody that is less skilled, less intelligent. But they love it. They can do it. To the, for them, they do it for free. That shit, A lot of people are doing the, the, certain things for free that others are trying to extract money for. You can't compete with that and they're doing a better job.
1: Yeah, it's the quote about the man who loves walking will walk further than the man who loves the destination, right?
0: Yeah, I never heard that quote, but that's that's spot on. <laughs> it sounds like this is almost partially
1: to do with finding blind spots as well. Is that does that resonate? Yeah, you know, uh...
0: Your blind spots are going to be revealed. Like, you know, like we were talking earlier about with the kid, your, your blind spots and weaknesses, they're going to be revealed. Now the question is, are they going to be revealed under fire? <laughs> are they going to be revealed? Why you, I want to say practice practice is the wrong word, but are they going to be revealed in a controlled environment or an uncontrolled environment? There you go. Because, you know, when you when you flip, what's the old saying right the worst time to fix the roof is when it's raining like uh or my other my other favorite interpretation or, uh, of that uh, of that quote or other version of that is you know the worst time to learn how to fight is when you're getting your ass kicked like that's not you should have taken care of that beforehand but you never got stress tested that stress test is you know that's another idea i'm gonna gonna put in a newsletter, man. I'm really loving for this this is like a random like pause and not like even a shout out, but but I certainly hope people sign up. really had a renaissance of my newsletter over the past this year, figuring just figuring out a bunch of stuff. And and I'm I'm just loving what I'm doing with my newsletter. I write about topics that like like they're hard topics because I'm not chasing SEO anymore. There's a great lesson for you. If you look at the, my website, you'll, you'll see something, you know, I kind of stumbled and figured out this SEO game. And then I was like, and then now, to be fair, a lot of tools have come out that have made it a lot easier to not have to chase SEO. But when I was chasing SEO, you know, I, I was writing, all right, but not like to repeat the article I put out, for example, last newsletter about the counterintuitive strategies for relationship. I was so happy with how that turned out. And the one before that, or the one after, it was strategies and how to get rid of bad luck. You know, before, when I, that was, that was an, a modified article that I wrote before thinking of SEO about how to have good luck. And the how to have good luck article was good. What I wrote is light years ahead of that, and it is helpful and useful. It's longer, but it doesn't matter. I'm having fun. Like when I write this inflation article, if there's, there's no SEO search term for that. I don't care, you know, cause I'm having more fun this way. Now, to be fair, they've made it a lot easier to have fun <laughs> because, because uh, everything is centered around video, but it gives me great content to work on for video and, you know, and I have a, a, a decent enough newsletter size now, but with that, that's just an example of my own writing for sure is that you know, I'm having a lot more fun here. But, um, how the heck did I, we we get on that? Because we were talking <laughs> about blind spots. I remember that part. We, would, we were talking about blind spots. And then that somehow led to, yeah. to the newsletter. It's letter. fun.
1: It's why I love these conversations. You never exactly know where it's going to go. And that's why it's part of my favorite thing to do these. But coming back, just riffing on your SEO point for a bit is that was one of my promises to myself when I started writing the newsletter was that I do marketing as a day job, so I was never going to get into the game of trying to make my newsletter SEO optimized. Almost everything I do with a newsletter is written to the people who subscribe to my newsletter, and I get feedback from them. And if they enjoy it, I keep writing that way. And I do it for myself. And it's a fun thing I get to do on a weekend morning. And that is where I'm taking it.
0: So much, much healthier, (laughs) like so much healthier, so much more sustainable. And, you know, you'll naturally write about the things that'll make you think like I've had this idea in my head, you know, that's why I'm so excited about it. Because, for example, this inflation idea I've had in my head for a long time, this lifestyle inflation idea. But, But I didn't learn I didn't understand inflation well enough to be able to simplify the concept which is oh there's just more supply than there are the people to use that supply in any given system if we like extrapolate that out past money right and like now that I have those stuff I'm like oh now I can really pull this thing together and and what happens is that if if any writer did this you know their unique voice will shine through because like the examples I'll be able to pull in my life and my voice, that's going to come the through. The authenticity. Yeah. And it, it ain't going to be like, you know, someone else could write about the same topic roughly and they'll, they'll have a different take on it. But will they enjoy writing about it as much? Maybe. Probably not. You know, i, I like to, you know, but, but if people want, like to read it, that means that someone is likely going to want to um, write about it, similar things too. Coming back to the coach idea for have a second, do you
1: have any tricks or things that you go through when you're looking for good people who you want to treat as coaches in your life?
0: You just got to have conversations and you got to, you know, you have to know what to look for and you have to look for somebody who... I won't necessarily say resonates with you because that can be deceiving, especially if you're, you're not at the level where you should be resonating people. Like, like, like when I was an alcoholic, you know, if I were looking for a coach, I might, I might end up, in fact, I did interestingly enough while I was fighting, you know, you, you choose a guy that's drinking too. That's not, he's not going to get you too far because you resonate with that. Right. So, you don't want to focus on someone you resonate with. You have to look for somebody who is dedicated to a craft. If you if you can if you can find anything or look for anything, you want to look for somebody who has really dedicated themselves to a system and a discipline. Because you know the, there's the specific and the general. If you for for specific skills, this is obvious. Right, I'm, I, if I want to learn blacksmithing, I probably should go to the best blacksmith, or at the very least, I, the blacksmith that's been doing it the longest, or are a reasonable amount of time. And I have no idea why I use blacksmith like, <laughs> is the um, example. But but generally speaking, you know, one thing I have noticed, at least this is a personality trait of mine, and I try to look for it in others. I would like to say I can I can say I have successfully coached. Coach slash taught boxing, chess, math, and physics. Uh, especially to people who like were not math and physics students. One of my greatest successes, is, you know, was a girl who ended up in a class where she wasn't even supposed to be, and she was set to go to. Uh, and the the class was a it was a, it was a relatively advanced physics class. And she was already accepted to a hairdressing school. And <laughs> like to give you an idea of the personality, we're, di- you know, and, and interest, but, but we, we got her through it. And, and what I'll say, looking at the diversity of those things, and then, you know, I help people train and get in shape for stuff. You, you can't be afflicted by the curse of knowledge. You got to remember what it's like to not know something and then be able to communicate to the level of someone who doesn't know. If if someone can do that, remember what it's like to not know, and and communicate to that level, then then I think you can get a lot out of them, and you can only see that by you know how they communicate and how they work with others. It's it's not an easy skill. Like I would say, whatever said skill is, it's even rarer to find people who can teach said skill. Right? There are tons of. We'll just use like a chess example. There are thousands of chess masters. There's only a few, you know, John Nuns, and I got the, got the guy's book on my shelf. It's Silman, Jeremy Silman, are um. I'm a butcher. This great chess teachers are like in boxing. Tons of champions, tons of great fighters. Only a few Emanuel Stewarts and Ray Mancini's and or, or, not Ray Mancini, Ray, Ray Arcel. or our Buddy McGurts or oh, those guys. Right, very few, much fewer than there are of because it because it's a hard skill to teach. But if and so if, if you want to look for somebody that can do it, they have to understand what it's like to not know and be able to take you to a point of knowing and that is i would say that is skill independent that that's a gift and if you have that gift you should nurture it somehow <laughs> i think
1: one other point before we hop on there is i think a lot of people want to look for coaches that are 10 12 15 steps ahead of them and you'd be better off looking in most cases for coaches that are two, three, four steps ahead of you because they're the people that aren't afflicted by that curse of knowledge that you're talking about and still remember what the problems
0: they had at your stage were. Now, now here's the dangerous part about that. This is the other end of it. This is, this is why this is a hard skill, man, being a good teacher because, you know, I used to harbor a very similar idea and then I started teaching boxing. And in the environment I taught boxing, it was interesting because I was by far the most accomplished fighter. I had been taught by the most accomplished people, and had been around many more coaches and many more fighting systems. My knowledge level—I knew more than everyone else in there combined, and 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 not just by small margin. Now that didn't mean these guys could didn't didn't know stuff. They just knew a lot less than me and it hadn't been stress tested to the lower of my knowledge had been. And I saw some of the things and the ideas that came out of that teaching system and I thought to myself, I said, it's not that they're 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 incorrect. And then they're incorrect because they haven't had it tested against or been in in the pit with these ideas. And so, so, so while there is this argument that yeah, well, you just need someone slightly ahead of you, man, you you can get some really bad, damaging advice. I was I was talking to this guy. We'll use another example, like like email marketing. And I was he he was bragging all the time on um on Facebook about how often he emails his list. And in my experience, I'm just sitting there going, man, you got to be eating. Like, you are like you don't have a big social audience. So, and the attrition rate on email and I often is, it's got to be rough. And he talked about how much money he was making whatever. And I was just like, yeah, but whatever you're making, you're suboptimal because you're burning people who might actually buy later if, but every email is a sales email. So, like, what did I sign up for? And and it was funny, Justin Welsh. I don't know if you're familiar yeah, with Justin yeah, Wells. Is yeah, yeah. I'm making this argument to him at some point over a few weeks. Uh, Justin Wells post he blurred out the names of this this person. He, was, <laughs> yeah. he bought the he signed up to the listing at the course. He was like, "So here's an example of over emailing. I signed up to this guy's list because I was interested in the, pro- in the product he was getting, but I got 22 emails in the first. Six I think days. I remember this tweet thread. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And and I copied that, and I said, "Dude, I don't like. Maybe it was your product because it's a very unique, useful product. And I know you've you've prescribed that idea, but that's the kind of idea you make. Like if you've done, like if you're just getting into email marketing, and you go take this guy's advice, who's not in a season, but just getting into it, but not just getting into it, you can pick up some bad habits." you know so so we we have to be very careful that's why i say teaching is it's 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 an art man And, and i would say it's hard to teach someone to teach i would even go as far as to say that there is and i hate this word man but like Sometimes you got to use it. There's no other one. I've reluctantly started to use it. You can ask my coach. We used to get in arguments all the time, but this word, talent, there is a talent to teaching. And it's not just a personality type, and it's not just the ability to learn, and it's not just the ability to break down concepts, and it's not just the ability to to find simple analogies to communicate and be able to, you know, to extract what's most important and most vital to get a person to move to the next level. And it's not just being able to analyze for the week. You got to be able to do all of those things and be like, likable because that's another big point of, of teaching because you're interacting with another human. Doesn't matter how much, you know, if, if they think you're an asshole, they're not going to listen. I mean, this <laughs> that's just uh, how it goes. There's a lot that goes into it, but yeah. The last question that I like to ask all my guests here
1: is sort of in the vein of lessons and free thinking that we've been talking about for an hour. What's the last thing that you changed your mind
0: about? The last thing that I can think about changing my mind on there's a bunch of stuff I changed. I wouldn't say changed my mind, on, no, but but a, but a few things I had an opinion on where I had an emotional investment because cause to me, that's what it feels like, an emotional investment because cause I'm not really married to any of my thoughts. I go like this way, that way. You know, I used to think that the red pill was a necessary kind of force in the world to counteract but what I like to call it a boy. No, I don't call it that. Oh, uh, everyone else calls it that. And I'd use that name. And that's popular. The boy crisis. And and that that is measured. And that is very clear. The boys are being left behind at an alarming pace. It's not like, you know, you know, because at one point it was shifted and women were, were getting shafted. There weren't as many in school and there was an actual glass ceiling and they were actually making less. And you're right. But the difference between women and men then is not even close to difference between men and women now. It is, it is insane. And you're kind of gaslit for even talking about it. But, I, but I've, you know, it, it's one of the few things I will I will not back down on because it is that important. With that said, I think the red pill has done way worse damage than feminism, which it claims to be counter to. I think it's done way worse damage. And I think it's done that damage because here's the difference between the red pill ideology and feminism is they like, and we'll, we'll, we'll be very specific here, and we'll, we'll say third wave or modern feminism is is it, is the feminism set out to solve a problem? It was a very real problem. Not maybe be a relic of a problem uh, as we discussed, but it was, it was a reaction to a problem and the goal was to solve that problem that was the goal that was the end point anything else that happened after that is you know kind of collateral damage if we, if we say it worse in relationships between the sexes i think that's collateral damage the point wasn't you don't need a man the point was we are unequal and we got to kind of stand on our own to get anything done it's no different than the attitude of a lot of black people in the united states Following the Civil War, I mean Civil War. Wow, not that long ago. Following the Civil Rights Movement, you talk to any black person, you talk to many black people that grew up in their formative years. You know, where the '60s and '70s, pretty much Gen Xers and Boom Baby Boomers, have a very different attitude, a lot of them, to or towards white people than than late Gen Xers and Millennials. And it, it, it makes sense. I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but it, but it's the collateral damage for having to stand up and fix a problem. To that end, what the Red Pill was like, is the Red Pill was like how the KKK came about. And the KKK came about because white farmers, they were pissed about the, losing the Civil War. It was like we gotta police and we gotta hold on and keep things yeah, great, you know. Look, and I'm not saying they shouldn't have been pissed, man. We we torched the south, man. Reconstruction's a real thing because <laughs> because of how bad we, we we set them back. To this day, this is one of the reasons they think that you know the, the poorest plate, the poorest, fattest parts of America are all in the south. Okay. The the problem with that is the you're not solving a problem; you're creating one under the guise of solving and dealing with an injustice. That's so why, if you look at who, who, who the red pill ideology really appeals to, and when it appealed to me, they're, they're, that that insult meme—that shit is real, man. Like it's more real than I wanted it to be. And I would never say I was heavy into it, but I was visibly aligned. I would say I was, and I and I was never ashamed of it because I looked at it differently. As I have grown and as I have seen things, my mind has changed completely. It's a one hundred like, and eighty, like, and that's a big change up here. Because I, you know, I've spoken at events and and gone and done events and was really, you'll never and, and I attack it whenever I can, not attack it, but if I see faulty logic guys like me got to step in because you know these guys are just fucking circle jerk themselves into an angry incel rage and i'm like bro this doesn't even make sense like like let me me tell you why this doesn't make sense you know i'm not saying you know that the things are hunky-dory i'm saying what what you're saying right now doesn't make sense and it's only going to make you angry it's not going to solve the problem right so that's a big change for me i had th- you know that that's a, a great question man i've really changed my mind on it like i used to watch different guys content some of it was for support some of it was for entertainment i won't touch it now cuz I, I don't want to be i don't even want because i got a kid now man right and want and i have a son and one of the things that i notice is guys who end up in this ideology one of the things that got me into it. It's like street gangs. You don't have no, nothing to fall back on, no support system. And I look at the guys who who resisted or went down with it. And I look at their own, I'm like, okay, you're feeling in something you're missing, man. So like like that whole who hurt you mean that that shit is realer than you think too, man. And and I'm saying this as somebody who is I'm basically an insider, man. Like like I've been on Fresh and Fit. Like let us let's, let's keep it a buck here. I'm I'm an insider here and I'm saying the shit is no good. Like no good.
1: Ed Lattimore, I appreciate you, man. I love your stuff. I think you're doing a great service to the world. Where can we send people to find your stuff?
0: All right, man. just type in Ed Lattimore on the internet. Happy my son we didn't we didn't name him after me, man, because that was suck. But, but yeah, like Ed Lattimore's my handle on um twitter at Lattimore, my website at i should say instagram at Lattimore. sign up for the newsletter i really having fun with it whether you sign up for it or not really hope you do though and there's uh how you found me
1: i love it thank you sir
0: hey thank you man